You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to GI Insights, where we cover the latest clinical issues, trends, and technologies in gastroenterological practice. GI Insights is brought to you by AGA Institute. Your host for GI Insights is Professor of Medicine at University of Illinois at Chicago, Dr. Jay Goldstein. What recommendations have been recently established for the treatment of hepatitis C? Joining us to discuss new quality measures for hepatitis C therapy is Dr. Emmett Keefe, Vice President and Chief Medical Officer of Romark Laboratories, LC, and Professor of Medicine Emeritus at Stanford University Medical Center. Dr. Keefe is also past president of the AGA. Welcome, Dr. Keefe. Thanks very much. It's a pleasure having you here. Uh, We're going to be talking a little bit about hepatitis C and establishing quality measures nationally, I understand it. First off, why is it necessary to develop quality measures for hepatitis C at this time juncture? Well, Jay, like all disease conditions, there's a lot of complexities and subtleties of hepatitis C, many of which are well known by our colleagues in gastroenterology, but maybe somewhat less well known by those in family or general practice or by gastroenterologists that only see an occasional hepatitis C patient rather than a substantial volume. You know, as I've uh, circulated around among my colleagues in gastroenterology, some have embraced hepatology and allocate 15 to 30% of their practice for the care of patients with liver diseases, but other gastroenterologists, as I'm sure you are aware, spend the bulk of their time with endoscopic procedures and routine tubular gastroenterology. So it just seemed like an appropriate time to develop some quality indicators that are not really particularly sophisticated or challenging, but really set some benchmarks to help guide quality in the care of hepatitis C. This is particularly difficult given the evolving therapies and outcomes associated with those therapies, isn't it? Oh, Jay, that's right. And we took a conservative approach. So as is often done in these sort of processes, we looked at established guidelines and systemic reviews, and particularly we leaned heavily on the AASLD guideline for the management of hepatitis C, and also a very nice AGA position statement that had been published also a couple years back. Now, there are some very new changes over the past year to 18 months that create many more challenges, but we didn't address those. We really wanted to get just the basic elements of care Uh, clearly articulated in our performance measures. When were these newer recommendations or quality measures developed? So we worked on this process in 2007, and the consortium approved our document in 2007. Who actually developed these, or who were these developed for, or under whose auspices were these developed? Physician performance measurement set is a group that comes out of the American Medical Association. And so this was a joint effort between the AMA and their uh, quality department and by the AGA. So I was a co-chair of this activity. We called ourselves the Hepatitis C Work Group with uh, Josie Williams, who is a person from the AMA who's active in the AMA and is quite familiar with the quality measures and some of the methodology that was involved. Now, in addition, Jay, we had you know wide representation in this process, which we thought was critical. So we, of course, had a number of academic hepatologists who 
had established uh, reputations and, are, and were well-published in hepatitis C. But we also had participants who were in the general practice of gastroenterology and hepatology. We had family practice representation. We had internal medicine. We had a physician from military practice. We had infectious disease experts. We had a couple physicians involved in co-infection with HIV, which is a key issue. We had people with expertise in epidemiology and outcomes. And then in terms of organizations, we also had a representative from the NIDDK at the NIH, which was Leonard Seif, and we also had a representative from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. So we really had good, broad representation in this activity. You had targeted people who are seeing patients either frequently or maybe more importantly, infrequently with hepatitis C. And how do you expect that these guidelines or these criteria to be integrated into practice? These measures were also submitted to the National Quality Forum in 2008. So this is about the year after we created these, and they were endorsed with some edits. And also, CMS Physician Quality Reporting Initiative also has adopted these measures, again, in slightly different versions to meet their standard language. So these measures have really moved along in the various quality activities in the country. And our goal is really to establish a a framework for both family physicians or internists who see an individual who turns out, let's say, to have an elevated ALT level or is a blood donor and has a positive hepatitis C antibody, and then to provide some broad recommendations on how to initiate some additional evaluation and when referred into the hands of a gastroenterologist or hepatologist, what tests and what monitoring should be done while on therapy. So it was, therefore, a broad-based kind of activity. Let's describe some of the components of these quality measures and the rationale behind some of them. Just to provide a quick summary, Jay, there were 10 measures, and they centered around diagnosis, initiation of treatment, monitoring patients while on treatment, and also something I think may be a little bit more unique with this measure compared to some other disease measures is that there was an important component related to patient education. You know, things like infectivity, sexual spread, vaccination to prevent hepatitis A and B, use of alcohol if you have hepatitis C, and contraception during treatment. These are a little bit unique in terms of the focus on counseling. That's sort of the broad overview. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to GI Insights on ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I am your host, Dr. Jay Goldstein, and joining me to discuss new quality measurement for hepatitis C therapy is Dr. Emmett Keefe, Vice President and Chief Medical Officer of Romark Laboratories, LC, and Professor of Medicine Emeritus at Stanford University Medical Center. Well, yes, let's go right back to it. What exactly are these 10 measures? So the 10 measures have to do, first of all, of confirmation of hepatitis C viremia. So for the individual that shows up in a general practice, it's appropriate to make sure that the patient truly is infected and therefore measurement of an HCV RNA to confirm that this is not recovered hepatitis C or rare false positive. Jay, you may recall that when individuals are infected with hepatitis C, 
the disease is chronic in the great majority, somewhere between oh, 75 and 85 percent. But the other percentage, you know, somewhere between 15 and 25 percent of people exposed to hepatitis C virus go on to recover, and they will have an antibody, but it's the antibody of recovery, not of infectivity. So therefore, this is an important test. Now, the second measure was somewhat related, and this refers more to our colleagues in gastroenterology, and that is if you're going to begin treatment in an individual, you need to have a baseline HCV RNA performed somewhere recently, and we arbitrarily selected six months prior to initiation of therapy. I'm sure you're probably familiar with this, that it's also important and helpful to have the assay done in the same laboratory because as you monitor a patient on therapy, you're going to make decisions about continuing treatment or stopping depending on how they respond. And therefore, you need to have a baseline and then repeated measurements uh, while on therapy. Measure 3J had to do with the measurement of HCV genotype before treatment. And this is important because patients who have genotype 1 require one year of therapy in order to achieve the maximal benefit, and this has been shown in some very nice studies, whereas those that have genotypes 2 and 3 can achieve equally good results with six months compared to one year. So genotype 2 and 3 patients only need six months of therapy to achieve optimal outcomes. Measure 4 had to do with the fact that patients who have hepatitis C confirmed to be viremia are actually approached regarding therapy. So it would be a mistake unless there are other disease comorbidities or factors that preclude to educate patients that treatment is available. Measure 5 is related. If a patient's going to be treated, they should be treated with the contemporary therapy, which is combination therapy. And today, it's pegylated interferon or peg interferon and ribavirin. Now, there are a few exceptions, like patients with renal failure in which a ribavirin cannot be utilized, but combination therapy is, is the right way to go. The next measure had to do with what we have called the stopping rule, and that is measurement of HCV RNA at week 12 of therapy, because it's been shown in the pivotal trials, both by Shearing and by Roche, that if a patient does not have a two-log reduction in their viral load or more, they will not go on to have a sustained virological response rate or a cure. So this is today a stopping rule, and this is cost-effective. It avoids unnecessary treatment in that latter six months if a patient's not going to have their disease eradicated. The next two measures had to do with vaccination, and they're measure seven and eight, and that is in following the guidelines from the CDC and a number of our societies and organizations that if you have hepatitis C and should acquire acute hepatitis A or acute hepatitis B, the outcome is considerably worse, including a higher likelihood of fulminant liver failure. Therefore, part of the standard of care is to check for immunity, and if patients are not immune to hepatitis A or B, then to proceed with a vaccination. You know, this is often overlooked, Jay, as you probably know. There's some logistic challenges in, in achieving this, but this is an important component to the care of patients with chronic hepatitis C. Measure 9 has to do with alcohol counseling. This is very important. There is a, a large database that individuals who drink daily, moderately, or heavily will have an accelerated course 
from their chronic hepatitis C. So patients need to be educated in counseling to avoid the use of alcohol or if they have mild disease, potentially only a rare drink, but essentially be counseled regarding the danger of alcohol in the presence of hepatitis C. And the final measure was another counseling measure, measure 10, and this had to do with the fact that ribavirin is quite a teratogenetic, and therefore it's very important when we treat patients with chronic hepatitis C with peganeferon and ribavirin that patients are counseling regarding the use of contraception during their antiviral therapy. So as you can see, these were fairly standard sort of measures that we hope will set a standard and will serve as a reminder to physicians in terms of achieving the quality appropriate for the management of patients with hepatitis C. Number one, I presume you want to tell our listeners that they should use them and document what they're doing, but many of them will want more information to read about the treatment. Where are these guidelines available? The guidelines are available through our various societies, particularly the AASLD and the AGA, and these can be sought out through the websites are probably the best place to go. And I would also let the audience know that the ASLD guideline is in the process of being updated, so there'll be an update to the ASLD recommendations as well. I'd like to thank my guest from Stanford University Medical Center, Dr. Emmett Keefe. Dr. Keefe, thank you very much for being our guest. Jay, my pleasure. Thanks very much. You've been listening to GI Insights on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. GI Insights is brought to you by AGA Institute. For additional information on this program and on-demand podcasts, visit us at ReachMD.com and use promo code AGA. Enroll to participate in the AGA Digestive Health Outcomes Registry, a national outcomes-driven registry that allows gastroenterologists to monitor and improve patient care while generating data to compare the efficacy of treatments and potentially increase reimbursement. Learn more and enroll at www.agaregistry.org. The American Gastroenterological Association was founded in 1897 and today is the largest GI society in the United States. Our members are physicians and scientists at the leading edge of researching, diagnosing, and treating disorders of the gastrointestinal tract and liver. The AGA is known for advancing both the science and practice of gastroenterology. Discover what the AGA could mean to you. Visit www.gastro.org.